0: The Old Testament reading for this, the ninth Sunday after Pentecost, is from the book of Genesis, the 15th chapter, beginning at verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, and your reward will be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside, and he said, Look toward heaven, and number the stars, if you are able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord, and God counted it to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson is from Hebrews chapter 11. will also serve as the basis for the message this morning. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. And by faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to to the city that has no foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith for he has prepared for them a city. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace to you and peace. From God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message is Hebrews chapter 11. Not just the verses I read, but I'm also going to be referring to and quoting from other passages that are found in that chapter as well. But You see, Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the great hall of faith chapter. These hall of fame men and women of God from the Old Testament have their names emblazoned in the Bible, because of their God-given faith in the one who enabled them to accomplish great feats and to endure trials and tribulations. But let's be very clear, what makes these men and women Hall of Faith members is not their faith, but being the recipients of God's merciful activity in their lives. I mean some who are listed in that chapter have barren wombs who give birth. Others witnessed God dismantling strongholds like Jericho. Others saw the power of God manifested in the binding of the mouths of lions like Daniel. Dead sons are restored to life. Some face jeering, flogging, imprisonment, even stoning and being sawed in two. And yet they experience God's deliverance. These saints understood the words which begin the Hall of Faith chapter. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Friends in Christ, it is the Spirit of the Lord who conceives and births and nurtures such faith in us. And so this morning we prayed, Lord, Spirit of God, provide us and nurture of faith in us that sees the invisible. God-given faith does not need to see something to believe it. I mean, God is not visible to the human eye. And yet, by faith, we believe in Him. Now, this being said, we might observe that the heavens proclaim the glory of God. And the fact that we live in a universe and a world that has been created by something, at least testifies to a builder, an intelligent builder. Yes, we have all of that evidence to suggest that there's a God. But none of us have seen God with our very own eyes. None of us were present the day that God said, let there be. As the writer to the Hebrews says in verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's command, so that what is seen was not made by what was visible. Abraham and Sarah leave their family. They pick up their tent and stakes and follow God's lead to an unknown destination. They're aliens and strangers on earth, it is said in verse 13. But why was it that Abraham and Sarah were willing to pick up and leave everything they knew? Well, it was out of obedience to the Lord. You see, by faith, they saw the invisible. Our text tells us that they longed for a better country, a heavenly one. Abraham is commanded by God to slay his son Isaac, his long-awaited son Isaac. I'll talk about that later. Abraham is willing to heed God's command and slay his son. Why? Well, again, by faith. Abraham sees the invisible. In verse 19 of Hebrews 11, we're told Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. By faith, Abraham and Moses and David and many others see the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And though they do not witness firsthand the conception and the birth and the crucifixion and the resurrection of God's Son, by faith they see that which is invisible. That's even the point that Jesus is making when he's debating with the Pharisees. When he observes, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. And he saw it. And he was glad. You see, these Hall of Faith inductees do not need to see something to believe it. They possess a God-given faith that sees the invisible. And is this not also true of us? I mean, none of us see God, and yet we confess our faith in God just as we did a few moments ago in the Apostles' Creed, confessing that there's one God who has revealed himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. None of us have witnessed firsthand Jesus' conception, nor his life, nor his nor his suffering, nor his death, nor his resurrection. And yet by faith, we see with the eyes of faith the invisible. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who became incarnate, who took on flesh and blood so that he might ultimately die on the cross to reconcile us to our God. Jesus says of us, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It's working through the scriptures and the sacraments. The Holy Spirit creates and sustains faith in us that sees the invisible. We see things with the eyes of faith that are unseen, that are invisible to the unconverted eye. Like, for instance, we see a devil. We see a devil and his evil underlings who are determined to destroy our faith and lure us into hell. We see by faith angels who guard and protect us from the evil one and who fight the wicked principalities for us. By faith, we see the faith of a newborn infant who is baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. By faith, we see that we're all dressed in white robes, robes that have been granted to us by grace in Christ who has cleansed us of all of our sin by the blood that He shed on His cross. By faith, We see in the bread and the wine that we eat and drink this morning, the the crucified and resurrected and glorified body and blood of Christ. We see this by faith, don't we? And by faith we see an eternal city that awaits us all, whose architect and builder is God. You see, these are just some examples of how our God-given faith sees the invisible. And so this morning we pray, O Holy Spirit, grant and nurture such faith in us. We also pray that the Lord will give and nurture in us a faith that believes the incredible. Many people reject God and they refuse to believe in Him because they can't believe the incredible things that He has done. Like the creation of this universe for one thing many people as you know reject god as the creator they just can't fathom the incredibleness of god's work they would rather put their faith in some other theory as opposed to the truth that is found in god's word but that is not the case with the hall of faithers that we hear about in hebrews 11. by faith they believe some really incredible things Like Noah, for instance, who believes that God will cause a worldwide flood to exact his judgment upon the rebellious humankind. Just to believe that is incredible, isn't it? To hear those words, hear that revelation from God, and then to say, okay, God, I guess I'll believe it because you said it. And Noah's probably incredulous when God gives him the design for this big boat that he's supposed to build. And then, even maybe more incredible, God reveals to Noah that there's going to be animals making a pilgrimage to that ark. And by faith, Noah begins that construction. He begins that construction on the ark to the jeers of the people that are around him. And yes, he even begins to witness the animals making their pilgrimage to the boat. Incredible. God makes some incredible promises to Abraham and Sarah, and they believe these promises, though admittedly their faith in God's promises often wavers, doesn't it? I mean, the first incredible promise that God makes to Abraham and Sarah is that, some, that they're going to receive some substantial real estate. It awaits them in the promised land. And so God calls them to leave their family and the familiar, and he promises to guide them, to provide for them, to protect them, and to settle them in a prosperous land. And by faith, Abraham and Sarah believe this incredible promise. And verse 8 tells us that they obey and go, even though they do not know where it is that they are going. The second incredible promise that God makes to Abraham is that he will be the father of a great nation, and that his descendants will be more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And maybe even more incredible is the promise that God gives to Abraham that one of his descendants will be the Savior of the world. Abraham's initial reaction is something of disbelief. Why, Lord, that's incredible. Incredible indeed. I mean, the Jews of today trace their lineage back to Abraham, and you and I, who are people of faith, also are considered children, offspring of Abraham. The third incredible promise God makes to Abraham and Sarah is that they will have a son. And that's incredible because of Sarah's age. I mean, Sarah laughs in disbelief when she hears that she's going to be pregnant at the age of 89. And indeed, nine months later, Sarah has a child alive and kicking in her womb. And before she knows it, she has this little baby, Isaac, nursing at her breast. It's incredible what God does. But verse 11 of Hebrews 11 says, By faith Abraham was enabled to become a father because he considered God faithful to his promises. And we heard in our reading that Sarah too, in her heart, believed that this was a gracious act of God in her life. Our God-given faith believes the incredible as well. Our God-given faith believes that God is the creator and the preserver of this universe. Our God-given faith believes that God loves us so much that He Himself was willing to become incarnate, to become flesh, to become a human being, an unborn child, no less. Our God-given faith believes the incredible that that the death of one person, God's Son, Jesus, reconciles us to God and opens the gates of heaven to us. Our God-given faith believes the incredible thing that that, that we will one day rise from the dead to live eternally with our Lord. We believe the incredible act of God that in our baptism God adopted us into his family and he pledged to us his eternal fatherly love. And we believe the incredible promise of our Lord Jesus Christ that as we come to the Lord's table we not only receive his body and blood but we receive his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And we believe the incredible promise of God that no matter how bleak the present or the future that the church may be, the truth is that the forces of hell, bent on destroying God's kingdom, bent on destroying you and me, shall not prevail. Now, the Hall of Faith people in Hebrews 11 believe in an incredible God who promises to do incredible things in the lives of his people. But they're still struggling sinners, aren't they? If we dissect their lives, we'll see that they're anything but stellar saints. I mean, some of the saints that are listed, these Hall of Famers listed in Hebrews 11, are guilty of lying, cheating, doubting, I mean, to the point of disbelief almost, fornicating, grumbling, and complaining against God and His appointed leaders. Some of these hall of faithers are guilty of being drunkards and murderers, and one is even a former prostitute. But here's something truly incredible. The Lord loves every single one of them. And by grace, the Spirit of the Lord works faith in their hearts. He calls each one of them to repent of their sin many, many times. He forgives them of their sins many, many times. And He continues to direct their eyes to the Promised One, who is their Savior and Lord. He gives them faith, God does, not only to see the invisible but to believe the incredible. Oh, our list of sins may be different from theirs, but in the end, are we not like these Hall of Faithers? I mean, are we not saints? Saints in the sense that our sins are forgiven by the blood of Christ. Are we not saints who struggle with sin? Do not our thoughts, words, and deeds contradict the relationship that we claim to have with the Lord? Are we not guilty of doubting God's incredible promises? Is not our life such that we may sometimes find ourselves thinking, I don't belong in the hall of faith, but I belong in the hall of shame. But here is another incredible truth about God. We heard it in our reading, verse 16. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is not ashamed to be called our God. Memorize that and take it to heart. God is not ashamed to be called our God. It's truly incredible that God gives up His Son for you and me so that we might be forgiven and we might live with Him forever and ever. It's incredible that no matter how bad our life may be, the Lord is our shield and our very great reward. Yes, it is truly incredible that God in his love for us continues to nurture faith in us so that we believe the incredible and the incredulous realities that God works in our life. Lord, grant and nurture such a faith in us. Well, we also pray that the Lord will give and nurture in us a faith that receives the Seemingly impossible. I initially had that he would nurture a faith in us that receives the impossible. But it's not impossible because God makes the impossible possible. And so Noah, he believes the incredible, doesn't he? He believes the incredible revelation that's given him that there's going to be a worldwide flood and that there's going to be these animals that will fill the ark with him. And the Lord what? What? saves Noah and his family, and yes, indeed, fills the ark with animals. He receives the seemingly impossible. Abraham and Sarah believe the incredible, the incredible promises that God makes to them, and they receive the promised land. And Abraham's descendants are as numerous as the stars of the sky. And they do hold their son, their own son, in their arms. They received the incredible, the impossible, seemingly impossible. Moses and the Israelites believed the incredible, and they witnessed God parting the Red Sea so that they might escape the tyranny of slavery. The Israelites marched around Jericho just as God instructed them, which must have seemed totally ridiculous to them. But then they watched as the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Incredible. But they received the seemingly impossible. There's Gideon, who's mentioned in Hebrews 11, with 300 fighting men. The Lord granted Gideon and his 300 fighting men victory over the mighty Midians. David is mentioned in Hebrews 11, and of course he's what? He defeats the mighty Goliath. Daniel is mentioned in Hebrews 11, and of course we know that there the Lord shut the mouths of the lions and he lived. All of these individuals received the seemingly impossible. There was the widow of Zarephath and the Shunammite woman who both had sons die and both were brought back to life by the prophets of God. St. Augustine observes, faith is to believe what we do not see and the reward of this faith is to receive what we believe. Yes, faith receives the impossible. Our faith receives the impossible. Who would ever think that God could forgive a sinner like me? Who would think that God could ever forgive a sinner like you? And yet he does. And he promises to do so through his son, Jesus Christ. I mean... Our faith clings to the hope that we are going to be citizens in a heavenly kingdom. That we're going to be citizens in that city that the writer to the Hebrews talks about. And you know what? One day, the Lord is going to take us into that heavenly city. That's his promise to us. We will receive that which is seemingly impossible as through Christ we will conquer death and live forevermore. Yes, Lord, Holy Spirit, grant and nurture in us such faith that we might receive the seemingly impossible. Now, lest we become enamored with seeking the incredible and the impossible, Jesus' words in the gospel lesson kind of bring us back down to earth, so to speak. They remind us that much of the incredible and much of the impossible are experienced in the common and mundane of every day. I mean, Jesus speaks about looking to the ravens and the lilies of the field when we're anxious. Why? Because God provides for them, doesn't he? And God provides for our needs as well. The air that we breathe, the sun that gives life, the land that provides food that nourishes us, the medicines that heal, the love of family and friends. These are so ordinary and common that we don't even see them as the incredible, extraordinary acts of God in our life. And yet every day, God continues to have the sun rise, and every day there's food on our plates, and every day we have the blessings of family and friends, and the list goes on and on and on, doesn't it? That's the kind of God that we have. He is gracious and merciful and kind to us. He is the one in whom we have faith because he creates the faith in us. And so, my dear Hall, or faithers, by God's grace and mercy, we do have a faith. We have faith that sees the invisible, that believes the incredible, and that receives the seemingly impossible. Lord, continue to grant to us, all of us, such faith. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.